Now, down to business. Yeah, it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it's the most wonderful week of the year, at least. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, this week we're returning to Franco-February once again. Yes, the cold grip of winter seized upon us. So we must take solace in Franco-February. It's like 60 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's But it's fine. The world's... It makes you feel like you're in a nicer clime. Perhaps Spain. Yes, uh, the warm touch of the master of erotic cinema yes. is always pleasurable, the, even in the warmest part of summer. Or the coldest... The warmest part of winter, even. Yeah, <laughs> more or less, yes. <laughs> Uh, well, the groundhog did come out. Yeah, he said early spring. Yes. And here it is. Here it is. Yeah. This is um, the weather report. Yes. Uh, this we is talk to you uh, about the weather. This is Weather Boss here with Weather Jeremy. Hello. And um, I'm in the weather chopper. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Tyler's in the weather chopper. Let yes, me... he might crash into the yeah, let me... podcast at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. A second Tyler is at the podcast. <laughs> Uh, and that's the we're sort of good, good taste start, yeah. jokes that uh, make us so popular. Yeah, we're winning. Um, we're we winning are them over. I, I should bring up we were an AVN Award nominated podcast again this year. Oh, good. Did that happen already, though? Yes, it has happened already, and I haven't checked the results, but I feel confident that we didn't win. I think I probably won. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we are now a multiple time AVN Award nominated podcast. Are you looking it up? Yes. Okay, so as you're looking it up, uh, this week we're talking about uh, another one of Jess Franco's loose Marquis de Sade adaptations. Um, Though this one, it steals a title from another um, erotic author. Yes, and uh, has nothing directly to do with that. Yeah, um course talking about the story of O by i believe pauline rieg rieg yes i don't know who oh. it's by okay well, i'm aware of its uh existence and it's, the it's fact that it's a yeah. significant uh, bdsm themed yeah. have you work. seen have you seen the like the film i have not it's by just jakin or yeah. something uh it's okay it's kind of weird uh, we lost him last year by the way like when we were out like hiking, <laughs> yeah. we were out hiking with uh, the director of Emmanuel, and uh, yeah. we lost him in the woods. Oh, <laughs> uh, remember when uh, the warlock got lost in the woods? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they found him eventually, dead. Oh, they found his body. Yeah, yeah, I remember when. Yeah, uh, the warlock, uh, Julian Sands. Yes, that's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah he, that film is uh it's interesting it's uh kind of got like a weird tone to it for like a film that's kind of like s&m based yeah it's i guess it's more of like a it's it's like kind of like more of a love story and doesn't really do a lot of justice i think to its themes fair enough um 
This one doesn't do any justice to its themes either because it's not based on it. But I think it's true to the Franco Franconian spirit. It's so true to the Franconian spirit that it almost feels like a rerun watching it, even though I know I haven't seen this one. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a bit along the way. But uh, in all reality... Oh, my God. What was that? The AVN award site popped oh. up. There was some kind of video of these hot ladies. Okay. Oh. Iggy Azalea. Oh, I guess she, she performed there this year. Okay, that makes sense. Well, go on. I'm sorry. Plug Talk was the favorite adult podcast. Are we are we listed in the nominees there? Uh, these are just the winners. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyhow. Um, but yeah, uh, this is more of an adaptation of uh, Marquis de Sade's philosophy in the boudoir, which uh, was the basis of like... I don't know, at least three movies that we've covered on this podcast and probably another five to ten just Franco movies that we haven't watched yet. Um, and in that sense, uh, it reuses a lot of the plot of... Oh, okay. Plug Talk is hosted by that Adam22 guy who does... uh be Fresh and Fit or one of those kind of like strange podcast but basically he's a porn star and they like him and his wife will like fuck the guest at like the end of the show and then like oh. sell that stuff on like patreon and oh i guess this is just something else related to that but okay uh he seems kind of i don't know he seems like kind of like a sketchy guy yeah so i'm uh i avoid him i know stephanie's been listening to uh i can't remember what it's called but it's hosted by joanna angel and small hands Small hands? Yes, he's a porn star. Excellent. Does he have small hands? Uh, apparently, yes. Is so I you? guess he probably does fisting. I don't know. We'll ask Stephanie on Patreon. Oh, yeah. If which, you want to hear the answers to these burning questions. Yes. Uh, it's $5 a month. Yes, it'll be uh, last Friday's episode that we haven't recorded yet as of this episode. It's fine. <laughs> they don't need to know that. But uh, anyhow... So, uh, one unique thing about this film is despite it being in the mid-80s, it does not feature Lena Romay. No. Which I would say, uh, honestly, is a mark against it, but the cast here does a good job, and there's a very small cast here Mm -hmm. of five people. It's uh, Alicia Principe, I guess, who plays uh, Odile or Odile. Carmen Carrion, who I've seen in other Jess Franco films as Princess mm-hmm. Von Bakke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Katz as Prince Von Bakke. Uh, Marie Carmen Nieto as Mara. And Mauro Rivera as Mario. Yes. Everyone's favorite plumber slash pimp. Yes. So, um... This is something that was uh, created in the mid-80s, and I think that this is, like, right towards the end of Jess Franco being able to make just a ton of films in the early 80s. Um, I think this is before he started to have a ton of trouble making movies and started making all those hardcore films. Yeah. Um, But this is kind of towards the end of it. Um, 
I mean, this is a very Jess Franco film in yeah. every way. Um, this, this one reminds me specifically, I think, of Cries of Pleasure, which we covered eh, maybe like two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's no idiot like Finwell, which disappoints me. There's no morpho. Uh, one thing that's featured here in this film, which I don't know anything really about, yes. is the book The Naked and the Dead by Norman Mailer. Yeah, I'm not a not a malehead. I don't really really read much Norm. Um I think it's about it seems to be about a war based on the blurb on the on the back of the book. I didn't look it up. Uh yeah, I looked it up. It's it has something to do with World War Two. Um but there's like some narration that at first I thought was just random narration from the film, but maybe because every time it happens, she's reading the book. Maybe it's lines from the book. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I haven't read any Norman Mailer. Okay. Why don't you leave me alone about it? <laughs> so I guess, uh, yeah, that's about it. This is probably, you know, this is certainly a more modest budget, Jess Franco film. Not that like his films, have huge budgets typically um but i feel like there's this is a lot more bare bones than a lot of his other films um and i would draw a big parallel between this and like you said cries of pleasure is a good yeah. uh comparison piece i would also draw a lot of comparisons between this and countess perverse yeah uh it doesn't have the most dangerous game aspect but it has basically everything else in that movie yeah yeah exact yeah so i know it'd been a while since i'd seen that one but yeah that's i think maybe the only thing it lacks yeah um but uh we'll get into that as we get going so mm -hmm. i don't think that there's any uh reason to uh oh, i think there's plenty of reason uh, I don't think there's any reason for me to live anymore. No, uh, I'm going to give you 13 reasons why you shouldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to draw my arguments. I'm going to draw my arguments while we're on break. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll come back to find out why I shouldn't live anymore yeah. and to talk a little bit about the sexual story of O. I watched this movie. I didn't watch this movie. Sorry, I watched. <laughs> I watched this movie last night. Oh, okay. But I you watched, did watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to freak you out. Uh, I watched the story of O on a sort of a. It's kind of like a date I went on back in the like late aughts. Okay. At this point, uh, uh, it was this girl that I like met through a dating site. Uh, we were going to go see some movie at the theater. I don't know what. And so we decided to rent something and we ended up renting the story of, Oh, uh, and I was like, this movie's weird. I don't really know this girl very well. It's a strange, uh, then we had unspectacular sex. And then the <laughs> next time I saw her, 
she was walking down the sidewalk on uh, down Bardstown Road, uh, barefoot with a staff. And my <laughs> friends saw her, and then they all made fun of me for having sex with Gandalf. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was so a great story. That's my story of O. So, would you say the story of O is a good or bad date night movie? Uh, probably not good first date night movie. Okay, fair enough. But also maybe it's perfect because it kind of terminated the whole thing <laughs> then and, you know, then and uh I didn't have to you know, I didn't have to live with that lady or anything and discover that she walked around downtown barefoot. <laughs> would you say that it would be a better or worse date night movie uh, for a first date than the sexual story of O? Um, I can't imagine taking like someone to see this in a theater. <laughs> like I like it, but at the same time... I feel like the other person would be like, what is, what is this? Yeah. What have you brought me to? Yeah, it's I like think... in a uh, taxi driver when he takes that lady to the porn movie. Right. I feel like most people would have that same reaction. <laughs> I think that the sex, I think that a Jess Franco movie is definitely a tough uh, one to show somebody uh, and like have them get it. Um, I was doing a like, team building exercise thing at work this week yeah. Um, where like we got on like a video conference call with people who work in different offices, but we all work in the same business unit. And the idea is, you know, we have to work together now and then. So we were getting to know each other. And of course I hate things like that because I'm not social. Yeah. I don't want to team build. I don't want people to know anything about me. Yeah. It should be a secret. <laughs> So they, uh, the icebreaker question that they went around the room with the, I guess, video conference room, if you will, it was, uh, what's your favorite movie, which first off is impossible for me to answer because I watched 370 movies last year Yeah, and I don't know which one's my favorite, but like the first thing that came to mind for favorite movie was The Devil's Honey, which I don't think that I could ever begin to explain to somebody else. Um, and so I was like, okay, let me think. What can I say is like... He's like a normie what's a pick. Fi- what's a five-star film that like a normal person would understand and maybe somebody here has seen? So I ended up going with The Shining. That's a good pick. Uh, and everyone had been like, what's that? Right. Yeah, I didn't want to have to explain The Devil's Honey to people. I wouldn't want to have to explain (laughs) that to most people. Even, like, if I was going to say, like, a Fulci movie or something. Well, I mean, The Devil's Honey is a Fulci movie. But, like, if I was going to explain, like, The Beyond or something, is like... I I think you'd have an easier time than explaining The Devil's Honey to them. Certainly less... People would look at you with less shock, I think. Yes, uh, and it would... Honestly, even The Devil's Honey might be easier to explain than the sexual story of O. Yeah. But I would not have listed that as my favorite movie, I'll just say. Oh, that's fair. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that. Do you know what what were some of the other people's? Uh, One of them was like, 
the Back to the Future trilogy, which isn't even like an actual pick. Yeah, you can't, you can't just, just pick, pick three, all three. movies. No. Uh, somebody said my big fat Greek wedding. All three of them. Uh, I think that was just the, the one first movie. One. Okay, there uh, are three of those though. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think the third one just came out recently. Um, uh, I can't remember the the other ones. I mean, it was just like, like the X. Uh, somebody said the Harry Potter movies. That's not right. Yeah, there's seven of those. Pick one. You should have said or eight, nine. I don't know. Um, there's a bunch of them. Should have said the witchcraft series. that would have been a good one Um, yeah you're like oh there's like uh, like 17 of them there's 17 of them and i don't know if i've made it through any of them without falling asleep and Um, and i've only seen and i've only tried to watch like three of them yeah they're uh good for late night i guess yeah Um, you know They're good to fall asleep to. <laughs> yeah, that's what they made them for. They're like um, ambient records. Yeah, you just kind of wake up in the middle and you see some tits or something. And you're like, oh, oh witchcraft. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, let's talk about your new favorite movie, The Sexual Story of O. Okay, so The Sexual Story of O opens with some close-up shots of roses as we get our credits set to a haunting song. Uh, we see some sprinklers, and uh, that's kind of like a garden courtyard. There's a woman walking through grass who gets blasted by said sprinkler. Uh, this woman is Odile, uh, played by Alicia Principe. Or Princip, I don't know. Principe. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce names. Uh, we see some more shots of this garden area. She's walking around, and she's... Uh, reading The Naked and the Dead by Norman Mailer, as I brought up. And so there's some narration about people being chained to dreams that aren't their own and more esoteric rambling, which I started to get the impression later, as I mentioned, that might be quotes from the book. Um, But Odile finds herself walking through some tall grass as she's reading, and we get some close-ups of branches. The camera's just roaming around as Jess Franco's camera is wont to do. Mm -hmm. She finds her way home and throws down her coat and turns on the TV, where there's an advertisement for Plastile, a cleaning supply company of some sort. Yeah, and there's also the mention of Macario, who's a... Some kind of fat cat. Oh, okay, yeah. Which I think he might... Maybe he's the Spanish Garfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I need to know more about uh, him. Yeah. Let's find out about Macario. Are you Googling it? You're just going to like find the word for cat. Um, Rose Macario is the f- former CEO of our outdoor apparel company Patagonia. No, 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 no. <laughs> You you just work on the you just work on this movie. All right. So, <laughs> so uh, as she's taking off her glasses and beginning to undress, we catch a look at a guy peering at her through the window. So when we first get a shot out of the window at this guy looking, it looks like that like they're on the first floor and she's on the second floor or something. And they're looking back and forth. Yeah. None of the angles between the buildings make any sense. Yes. There's no, 
there's this whole sequence here that's all about them being able to see into each other's houses that doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. No. But it's a Jess Franco film. So uh, the man watching her, we later find out, is Mario, played by Mauro Rivera. Um, he's joined by a woman, his partner here, Mara, played by Marie Carmen Naito. Um, she joins him watching, uh, Odile through the window. Uh, Odile finishes undressing down to her panties and, uh, Mario tells Mara that the woman they're watching is the perfect prey. They begin to kiss. Uh, Mara here is naked except for a g-string uh odile sits down on a toilet uh mara mario whispers to mara that they want her to see them making out odile now naked dances around in her house a bit before returning to read her book she's like a cat like yes. After she's lightened her load, she's just rushing all about the house. She's tearing <laughs> across the furniture. Mario and Mara continue to make out. And then we cut to Odile laying in bed, smoking and reading quietly. She soon notices the sound of whistling and she peeks outside. And we get a good shot of her ass and vagina from behind as she mm-hmm. bends over to look out the window. Odile gets back to reading, and we see her breasts spilling out of her nightgown, the camera painting voyeuristically across her body. Mario uh, continues to smoke and look towards Odile. Um, She's laying in bed, and he's just looking out at her. Again, the viewing angles don't make any sense. No, it seems like they would be like in kind of like a weird, like wedge-shaped sort of uh, space if it was going to make any sense. Yeah. And, uh... I don't know. Are they are they in two different buildings? They're in two different buildings. buildings. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in different buildings, buildings. and they're kind of they're across from be, each other. They're but, supposed to be on the same floor, but there's no effort made to uh, make that happen like, right. visually. Okay. Uh, we see Mara in her bed in a scarf and panties, rolling around a bit. Odile is also in her bed in an open shirt, nothing else, tossing around. Classic Jess Franco women just thrashing in bed. Yeah. Uh, Mara calls Mario into bed with her. Mario tells Mara that he wants her, referring to Odile, to see them making love, and they begin to make out and caress one another. At this point, Odile is uh, watching them through her blinds. Mario kisses all over Mara, seemingly going down on her while still peeking towards the window. Odile is caressing herself, tossing back and forth as she looks back at them. Mario then mounts Mara missionary. Mario tells Mara they need to drive her crazy, and Mara suggests that she should get on top. So Mara rides Mario for a bit as Odile watches and masturbates. The couple looks towards the window and reposition with Mario fucking Mara doggy style. Mario tells Mara to scream louder. After a moment, Mario tells Mara to go get her and tells her to hurry up. So Mario lights another cigarette and waits, looking out the window. Mm-hmm. This There's... is uh, some bad softcore sex. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, just a lot of bouncing around. Uh, I don't think his underwear ever even come off. No, there's a point later where we see clearly that it's still on. Great. Um, 
There's a knock at Odile's door, and she calls out who's there in English. And Mara calls out her name. Odile answers the door, and Mara grabs her hand and presses her teeth against Odile's fingers. So, Odile speaks English only. And uh, doesn't understand Spanish, which is an important plot line here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she goes right along with Mara as Mara drags her off. So Mara leads Odile to their apartment, which she notes is very nice. Mara then drags Odile into bed with her, who keeps saying that she doesn't understand. But in Spanish, Mara tells Odile she thinks she'll understand this. Mara kisses Odile slightly, and then the two women start to make out more thoroughly. Hmm. Mara straddles Odile and opens up her shirt, and they kiss more. Mara reaches down between Odile's legs off screen, and she kisses and sucks on her breasts. As this is going on, Mario starts to rub Mara's back and ass, and then mounts Mara doggy style as he introduces himself to Odile. Mm-hmm. Mario fucks Mara from behind, and... Uh, reaches down to make out with Odile as he continues to fuck Mara. Yeah, they're all just kind of sandwiched, like, on top of each other. Yeah. Um, That's it. After a few, Mario dismounts Mara, clearly revealing that he's wearing underwear, then mounts Odile missionary, fucking her as they make out more. Mara watches on, sitting next to them. We then cut to later, and the women are laying in bed next to each other, naked in bed. Mario is standing pantsless looking out the window. Mara gets out of bed and asks Mario what's wrong, and he says, nothing. But then he says, she's just a child and poor girl. Mara says that he shouldn't care because they, whoever they are, will pay them more than ever for her. He says he knows and decides to go for a walk. So we cut to later, and Odile is laying back on the bed while Mario is sitting and smoking. Mara walks over and tells Odile to come with her. Odile says in English that she doesn't understand, uh, and says goodbye to Mario. Mario sits and smokes contemplatively. Mara continues to drag Odile off, and we see Mario watching them out the window, waving at them. Mara tells him and Odile, who doesn't understand, that they're going for a swim. We see Mario sadly smoking in bed later at night next to Mara, so we don't even get a swimming scene. No, yeah, they're just... Implied swimming. <laughs> yeah, they're just walking naked through this tall grass. Getting they're swimming in, Yeah, they're swimming in the tall grass, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mara tells Mario not to feel bad and asks how he can act like that. Mario says he doesn't want to send this girl to her death, but Mara tells him that this will be the last time they have to do this. Yeah, they'll, they're going to get out of this business. He gives up and says they've done it before, and that pervert couple pays them well, but even the toughest men have a conscience. He says that the other women were whores, but this one, she's so innocent. Mara pleads that this is their chance to do it once more and be done with it. She begs him please, and then begins to suck Mario's cock. They grind against one another a bit as Mara repeats that this is the last time and asks him to promise that he'll do it. We cut to Odile reading and listening to music naked in her apartment. The camera pans across her body. And then we see Mara come in and join her. Mara tells Odile 
how much she likes her and begins to kiss on her and suck on her neck. They make out a bit and we get a close-up of Mara's fingernails dancing around Odile's nipple and then sucking it. Mara undresses and they caress one another, making out more. Mara then goes down on Odile. After a few moments, Mara gets on top of Odile, grinding and thrusting into her. Some jazzy music plays in the background and gets more active as the ladies moan and get more active with one another. Yeah, it becomes circus-like by the end. Yeah. We then cut to a car zipping down the road and then pan up to the hotel as people sing happy birthday. Yeah. And then we get to a shot of a speedboat on the water. The trio here, Mara, Mario, and Odile, zip around in the boat for a while and then swim around in the water a bit before running around on the beach mostly naked. Odile points out how wonderful this is and how happy she is. The trio runs around a bit more before eventually walking into a house. This is where they meet Princess Von Baki, who is initially on the phone, but quickly ends her conversation. Mario and Mara introduce her as their new friend. Princess Von Baki speaks a little English with her before they return to Spanish. Essentially, Princess Von Baki greets Odile in English and then has a conversation with Mario and Mara about Odile in mm-hmm. Spanish so that she can't understand as they talk about her in front of them. Yeah. Um, That's what every foreign person is doing. That's what everyone who speaks a different language is doing. Yeah. They're always having a conversation about you. That's why you have to get in their face and scream at them to speak English. <laughs> Man, we've got work, like, hired, like, seven people who do not, like, speak any English. Oh. And it has been quite a uh, quite a task training them up, I'll say. Fair uh, enough. There's one guy who can kind of speak English, but they all love me. They say, thank you, Mr. Yeremi. And I say, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Mario and Mara try to sell Princess Von Baki on Odile as a high-quality woman versus what they typically bring her. We then cut to them eating lunch, again talking about Odile in front of her without her understanding, but joining them at the table is Prince Von Baki. So the Von Bakis are quite pleased with Odile. They all eat salad together, and the Von Bakis admit that they're old-fashioned white supremacists who could never make love to a black woman, but they like the Moors, and they hate certain dirty Spaniards. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't seem like Mario likes the Moors. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some prejudice against them. So, uh, Prince Von Bakke offers Odile some wine, and she rejects this at first, but finally gives in as the rest of the table talks about how much they like French women. Uh, the prince gives like a, I think they all toast, and I think the prince gives like a very casual Heil. Oh, I didn't <laughs> catch that. Yeah. Uh, so they offer to let Odile stay there as the prince continues to feed Odile wine until she runs off to yak behind a tree. Yeah. The wine does not agree with her. Mara is she wearing the gold lame like suit thing right now, or do they change her into that in the next scene? Uh, I think she is wearing this. Okay, I think. Well, okay. I, think I know she that is. she's in it in the next scene. Okay, 
and it wouldn't make sense for her to change in between, but this is a Jess Franco film, so right. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, anyway, that suit makes her look like April O'Neil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so Mara and Mario then carry Odile off as she slowly, like, drifts off. Uh, Princess Von Backe tells Prince Von Backe that she'll get her ready for him, just like he likes them. He has a bow tie and kind of has like a little like shit-eating granny. He's kind of like an evil, like a little Tucker Carlson looking guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, Mario storms off saying that he doesn't want to see what they do to Odil. Mara decides to stay. So they lay Odil down on a bed and the women stare at her now unconscious body. We cut to Mario on the beach, hanging his head and throwing his tie on the ground. Uh, Mara begins to undress Odile, seductively staring at Princess Von Baki as she does it, including her untying some straps with her teeth. Uh, after pulling off Odile's shoes, Mara starts to suck on her toes as Prince mm-hmm. Von Baki joins in on watching this. On some of the framing on the toe sucking, I think if I posted that to like Instagram, it would probably get like snatched up as something else. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, um, it's those close-ups. Yeah. Uh, Prince Von Baki walks over and begins to stroke Mara's hair before pushing her away from Odile and sliding down Odile's panties. Odile's panties are tossed aside and Mara takes the prince's coat off, then unbuttons and slides down his pants. After he's fully undressed, Prince Von Baki mounts Odile and begins to fuck her missionary as Mara uh, rubs his back and Princess Von Baki watches as she caresses her breasts. Uh, the prince fucks Odile for a while and begins to moan pretty hard as he's fucking her before he collapses crying and saying, I can't! <laughs> Princess Von Baki tells the prince, let's go. Uh, and uh, they'll try again tomorrow, just the way he likes it. That's cryptic. I don't like that. No. He, he fucks kind of weird. Yeah. Like he keeps his, like his body's quite stiff and he uses the, uh, like the footboard to kind of bounce himself off. Yeah. Uh, it's quite stiff. It made me think of, uh, did you ever see the show? I guess it was the in-betweeners, like the British oh, I never kids. watched it. Oh, uh, well, there's like a scene where like one of the kids like loses his virginity, and that's basically he's like planking and just kind of like thrusting his body <laughs> forward. Right. Uh, it just made me think of that. We then see uh, the princess caressing the prince in a chair, and then Mara gets on her knees in front of him and begins to suck his cock. Princess Von Baki undresses and kisses Prince Von Baki as he's getting blown. She assures him that they will please him and, and encourages him to think about Odile. She asks him to imagine Odile getting beaten and bleeding. They finish off Prince Von Baki and the three caress. Meanwhile, Mario is still wandering around on the beach. <laughs> we then cut to Odile waking up alone in bed. She doesn't know where she is and she's mostly undressed, so she looks out to the beach. And we cut to Odile on the beach throwing rocks into the water. She's approached by Mario, who asks if she's okay and if they hurt her. But she doesn't understand him, and he doesn't understand her. But they both understand that they want under- to make out, and they do. I understand the situation, and it hasn't led to that for me just yet. <laughs> they run off into the grass, and then we see Mario on top of Odile, licking and sucking on her breasts. He pulls down his shorts and mounts her missionary as Odile softly says that she loves him. 
They fuck for a moment, but then Mara appears and tells them to stop. She scolds Mario, and we see her dragging Odile back to the bedroom and telling her not to leave. Mara then injects Odile with some sort of needle, and we see her collapse. Mara says she should be more docile now. We get some more shots of roses like we saw at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And then we see Odile in bed, tossing and turning, sleeper, passed out. Her chest is wet. It seems like somebody just poured some water on her chest in like one spot. Um, Odile looks up and she sees a distorted view of Mara and uh, Princess Von Baki in leather outfits. Yeah. Yeah, this is an interesting effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the effect that's used on like the DVD poster that I've seen for years for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like really heavy chromatic aberration, which is kind of a artifact that you can see in some lens shots depending on the way that it is where mm-hmm. uh essentially like the colors misalign with one another so you see like kind of ghost images right kind of like in like kind of like in a 3d sort of yeah kind of like way that. like when that's offset yeah yeah but it's also like really blurry and out of focus right uh this time certainly intentionally yeah it's not always the case with jess Franco. right um but it's a really cool effect yeah. to uh make this scene a bit more nightmarish yeah it definitely uh it reminds me of a movie we haven't covered yet but uh eugenie her journey into perversion yes there's like similar kind of like drug sex scenes and if memory serves me right i think they might have used maybe a similar effect or maybe some kind of kaleidoscopic yeah sort of kind of distortion on it but uh Eugenie, also an adaptation of the philosophies in the boudoir. It's just a good story, you know? Yeah. He he was going to get it right. So, yeah, this is like her drugged view of everything and this kaleidoscopic Mm -hmm. vision. Yeah. Um, Kind of everything's like shifted really blue. Yeah. Um, Blue and green colors. It's, It's nice. It adds a lot to it. So, yeah, Mara and the princess are in these, like, leather bondage outfits, and the princess is seemingly carrying a flail with her. Yeah, like a classic medieval one with a big iron ball. Yeah. I used to have one like this. I don't know what happened to it. It probably fell into the hands of my foes. (laughs) Uh, You should watch yourself, then. Yeah. Uh, She also can see another figure nearby. It's hard to pick out who it is, but later I think we can see that it's Prince Von Bakke, like, watching outside a glass door with his hands pressed against it. Mm -hmm. Um, The ladies pace around Odile's bed. Prince Von Bakke looks on. Um, Mara's carrying a chain, and we see some kaleidoscopic shots of uh, her chain dangling next to her bush. Odile's arms are wrapped in change, which don't seem to actually be secured to anything. Uh, and then we see the princess's flail dangled above Odile's body briefly. And then she starts to swing it towards her. And then we see both the princess and Mara swinging uh, some short whips at her. Yeah. Which break the skin, I'll say in quotes. Yeah. Uh, with, and leave blood on her, which is, of course, just some red paint painted yeah. across her chest. That's a normal Franco tactic. Uh, but they leave Odile bloody as she screams out in pain. The princess leans down to Odile, holding a knife, and kisses her on the lips. 
Mara watches on, playing with her nipples. Princess Von Baki then drags the knife across Odile's throat. Odile stares into the princess's eyes and then apparently collapses dead. Yeah, she gets her throat cut. We then cut to Mario on the beach, but now he's got a shotgun and he starts running. Watch out. Meanwhile, as the princess is still leaning over Odile's bed, the prince comes up behind her and starts to fuck her doggy style. As she's getting fucked, the princess plunges her knife into Odile repeatedly. Yes, and this appears to be like the only time we've seen her on the screen, like really getting off in any particular way. Uh, Mara watches on and continues to rub her nipples. We see Mario approach, watching them through the open glass door. As the prince and princess continue to fuck, Mario opens fire, letting loose three shots, killing the three remaining tormentors. Hooray, he's just a little too late. We get a close-up of Mario's eyes as the music from the beginning of the film plays again. And then we see Mario carrying Odile's body into the ocean. He walks forward into the ocean until he disappears. Finn, the end of the movie. Yes, and uh, that was good. I did think that when he killed the others, Mm -hmm. I was like, to really be justice, you need to take care of yourself as well. And then he did, immediately. Yes. So, uh, that was the sexual story of O. Yes. Uh... So let's go ahead, we'll take a break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on uh, the sexual story of O. Kick it. Kick it. All right, we're back on the Raincoat <laughs> Report, and it's time once again for the first time for Feb- for Franco February, and perhaps the last time for Franco February, it's time for... The Raincoat Review. <laughs> I wish we had a sample of Jess Franco saying the Raincoat Review. Yeah. He's been, been dead for way too long, unfortunately. We will use AI, and we will get oh. what we want. Right. I did watch the interview with him for this film after uh, I finished it. Awesome. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there. Um, he kind of talks about like his usual, you know, like his uh, inspirations and how he really didn't even try to make a story based on you know the story of O. He's <laughs> like, I just wanted to tell another Sadian story, and he's like, and I did. Yeah. Um, he noted in this one that his like cast he used was pretty much all new yeah. to him, which uh, that's true. And he also said that uh, he didn't like them very much, so he didn't work with them again. <laughs> and that the girl, uh, Princip, was uh, really pretty, but also very stupid. <laughs> that's, that sounds like something he would say for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think he also says that maybe the studio had wanted to use the title. I think maybe to like capitalize on the uh, 
actual film. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, was it Daniel Katz who plays the prince? He uh-huh. says he worked with him a few times, and then the man disappeared, and I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, Uh huh. but it sounded like he said that he was taken by the Chinese people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's... um. <laughs> You know, that's really, uh, those are my takeaways from the interview segment of that. Uh, it's interesting that he said he didn't like it very much because I found this film to be uh, one of the more enjoyable Franco films we've covered recently. Okay. Uh, in terms of enjoyment level. <laughs> well, this is definitely one that's not off the rails as no, much as yeah. some of the ones that we've covered semi recently. It's right. not, um, it's not like the alligator ladies for sure. It's not like, so um, sex is crazy. Sex is crazy. Yeah. Right. No, um, it's, it's more straightforward, but, uh, I know we've talked before and people will say it, Franco jazz, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes he hits kind of a flat note, uh, but this one, I think he, he hit on all those uh, themes he likes to do pretty well. Yeah. I think you did mention it is like, it is a bare bones kind of film. Yeah. Like the, it's sort of like the very elements are there, but uh, that gives it a, a lot more time to just do the Franco thing and just kind of linger on sexy ladies for minutes, stretches of time. Right. Um. And it was a I, breath of fresh air taking notes on this one after having to yeah, deal with Deep, Deep Throat, Throat Part 3, or Part 2. Whichever one. Yeah. Yeah. It's Deep Throat Part 2, Mission to Moscow. <laughs> Deep Throat Part 3, The Sexual Story of O. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, the it's a bit bare, but, like I said, to me it was reminiscent of Cries of Pleasure, and when you brought up Countess Perverse, I am remembering, like, yeah, there was, like, the kind of trafficker couple who takes them to the the perverse island or whatever. Yeah, there's a trafficker couple that takes them to an island where another couple takes the girl. There's a whole cannibalism thing going on and the whole deadliest game thing going on, which isn't happening here. But the end of the movie is almost exactly the same. Yeah. That a guy comes up, shows up and starts shooting people. And then a guy carries the dead woman's body into the ocean yeah, and that is kills himself. That is something Franco said he had done, uh, or like as a recurring theme, like on maybe like several other films. So yeah. that's one of them. Uh, but as like, uh, a variation on a theme, I really enjoyed this one. I don't know. There's just something about the, atmosphere and the mood of it and i even like the performances of the people even though franco didn't seem to be quite happy i'll say their sexual um mimicry isn't very good sure but uh whatever uh everyone in it is you know pretty conventionally attractive yeah and uh i like the angle of several of the characters not being able to like really understand each other yeah yeah i think that throws a nice wrinkle into things uh I definitely love the end of the film that goes into that kind of, it goes back to like a trippier, more psychedelic Franco. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciated that. I don't know. I just found myself really fascinated with it. And uh, we haven't covered Franco in a while. We've been away. 
So it's nice to kind of dive back in. I would actually, I think I would give this one four stars. Okay. I was really uh, very, it was like seeing an old friend, you know? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, I would say that, you know, uh, before we started talking about it, I was at three, but I'm going to give it three and a half. Um, right. I think that, I think that if you were to have the choice to watch a Franco movie between, and you had access to Countess Perverse, I would probably rather watch Countess Perverse. Right. Uh, because it's got a couple of extra, it, it's basically most of this, but it's got a couple extra levels to it. Yeah. Um, but that said, this is a lot of fun. I really like the trippy drug sequence at the end of the movie. It's really cool. Um, the cast is very attractive. Uh, yeah, the sex isn't realistic in any fathomable way, but yeah. it's a Jess Franco movie. They're naked and thrashing about. It's still erotic despite it not being convincing. Yeah. Um, I like the sinister nature of things. Um, I think that, yeah, the uh, communication thing where they don't understand one another is a nice twist on, uh, you know, an existing theme there. Right. Um you know, this is one where there's a lot of Franco's typical voyeurism. Yeah, yeah. The camera itself is panning all over the place during these sex scenes. Yeah. There's a lot of moments where people are watching each other have sex. Yeah, the princess in particular like spends a lot of time observing. Yeah, and I mean the whole beginning sequence where the couple's watching her right. and she's watching the couple. Yeah. And... So there's there's a lot going on here. It's classic Franco. I would say that this this in a vacuum is a very fun movie to watch, and that's why I'm giving it three and a half stars. Yeah. When you start comparing it to his other films, I wouldn't say that this one stands out greatly in comparison mm-hmm. to other ones. It does things that other ones do, and I pointed out, you know, we've talked about some yeah, of the yeah, things yeah. that are kind of unique to it, but... If you were going to watch one Jess Franco movie, I think that uh, there are other ones that I would choose than this. But if it's just like, here, here's the sexual story of O, you're going to watch it. And if you're like me, you're going to like it a lot. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And I am a different kind of cat, as they say. I served it up to you. You served it up to me. You brought the story. Yes. You suggested it. Yeah, I suggested it. I was like, it's time for Franco February. Uh, Severin put this out sometime last year, and I hadn't gotten to watch it yet. So I was also going to say I was able to watch it in 1080p for once instead of like 720, and uh, the restoration does look very, very nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I don't know. My brother's internet is better than mine. I need to figure out what he's got. I'm house-sitting for him. Oh, okay, yeah. And he's got nice internet. I've been able to watch everything at speed. Excellent. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's that's I'm a little. I'm not used to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had to reflect on it. Uh, I've been trying to watch Face Off on your server for like a week and a half, and it just keeps timing out. Oh. Well. I know. I'll never. I got to the part where they have like magnetic boots in the prison, and I'll never know anything else. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, can we watch Face Off when we're done? Uh, maybe. Okay. Uh, But yeah, that's a little Franco February for you. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure it out sometime between now and next week. We're doing just Franco's Faceless. 
that would not be good for this podcast, but it is a great film. Yeah, I was just thinking of Face Off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll watch Face Off. Yeah, we'll watch Face Off. We can. We haven't actually covered porn in the past two weeks. Yeah, I think it might be time to get some P in the V. Yeah. In the A, maybe. Maybe it's time to branch out. We'll just start doing Santo films and stuff. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. See some hardcore erotic wrestling. Oh, yeah. Against Draculas. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Patreon.com slash Raincoat Report if you want to listen to our kink roulette episode from last week. Or many other episodes as well. Yes, we have... uh, So many. So many. We've got over 50 Patreon-exclusive really? episodes. Oh, well, there you go. You've... We've been doing it every other week for over two years now. I... Or right around two years. I don't know. It's It's been so... I feel like every day I wake up and I'm sitting at this table. <laughs> uh, yeah, $5 for all that. Yeah, it's pretty, wow. pretty bitchin'. Yeah, you could listen to like all those in like two weeks and then never pay us $5 again if you don't want to. Uh, I mean, I'd prefer if you didn't, but, right, but you, know, you know, you can. Yeah, but $5 is $5. Put it in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, if you're going... Yeah, if you're going to be trafficked to a pervert's <laughs> mysterious island, don't forget your raincoat. Oh, no. 